Good morning. Well, this past week, two people found out they were going to get to split $587 million. And as excited as I'm sure they are, as much in disbelief as they just probably keep pinching themselves to make sure it's reality, there's going to be two really angry people if the world ends on December 21st. (laughs) Wouldn't you? It's like, okay, three weeks to spend 200 some million dollars. Great. If we're honest, when we're flipping through the channels and you see their doomsday preppers or doomsday prophecies or something about the end of time, there's something about that that kind of draws us in and makes us want to know, well, is it, is that really the day? Anybody heard December 21st supposed to be the last day? Who's heard that? So we're all thinking about it. You watch the news. They're talking about it. It makes great stories, but people have always been fascinated with how the world was going to come to an end. Even in Jesus's day, people were asking him, Hey Jesus, when are you coming back? Or how's this going to end? Or how are we going to wrap all this up? And Jesus, in a nutshell, responded with, just be ready. Just make sure you're ready. Whenever it is, make sure you're ready. That was Jesus's message in talking about end times. For the next few weeks, we're going to talk about end times. What does that mean? Because you're going to turn on the TV, you're going to read the newspaper, you're going to get emails and you're going to hear about this thing called the Mayan calendar and people are going to be talking about, could December 21st, which is the winter solstice in the northern hemisphere, summer solstice in the the southern hemisphere, could that be the last day? You know, it's nothing new for people to predict when the end of time is coming. Pope Sylvester II was assured that it was coming in 1000 AD. Christopher Columbus also predicted in his writings that the world would end in 1658. Mathematician John Napier was totally convinced that there was no way the world was going to last past the year 1688. And Mr. Harold Camping, who we probably have heard of, the guy that predicts when the world's going to end about every year. He's done it 12 times since 1978. Most recent was May of 2011. And so he finally said, you know what? We believe, here's what we believe. We've gotten it wrong like 14 times. We believe that Jesus is going to come back at some point in the future. I mean, he's gotten really scientific and theological on us. The Jehovah Witnesses say, have said that the world was going to end in 1878, 1881, 1908, 1914, 1916, 1918, 1920, 1961, 75, and 84. And if you're a child of the 80s, Prince said it was going to end in 1999. But it didn't. And you've no doubt heard about this thing called the, the Mayan calendar. Who's heard it talk about the Mayan calendar? And all this controversy about the Mayan calendar is they have two sources. All the stuff you see, there's two sources that say December 21st, 2012, give or take a day or two, will, is when the calendar ends. And they found this writing on the wall in Mayan ruins that says December, 20, it's a 1300 year old writing they find on the wall. It's an inscription that says end date on or about December 21st. 2012. That doesn't mean the end of time's coming. It just means that their calendar 
is coming to an end needs to be reset. The way the Mayans made up their calendar was they they kind of looked into the past and said, well, this is when we think time began. And so they started counting forward. 1,800,000 days or 5,000 plus years, they started counting time. And their calendar just ends. It gets to 13.0.0.0.0. And then it just ends. It's, it's kind of like on December the 31st, the year 2012 is going to end. Now remember, there's only two sources that even say that that's when the Mayans said their calendar ended. And so all of these new age folks have put, put out this big theory that, well, that must be it. They must have known something 1300 years ago that we don't know now. And so the world really must be going to end. And so Hollywood grabs onto that. And they make a movie or two. Now, everybody's talking about doomsday prophecies and how the planets are going to align and all of that stuff. And it's just the calendar resetting. When I first learned to drive, the car that I drove was a vet. It was a Chevette, not a Corvette. It was a Chevette. And it, it wasn't even the Chevette. It was the Pontiac version that had a Pontiac sticker on the front of it. So it was even lower than that. But back then, all the odometers were mechanical. And what happened? To the mechanical odometers. They went to 99,999 miles. And then what happened? Did the car explode? Well, sometimes it did, but <laughs> it just started over at zero. The same way our calendar is going to start over at zero and a new year at the end of this month. But people are buying into this idea and this fear that the world is going to end just because some Mayans a few centuries ago said, that their calendar ended. And still others, some scientists talk about breakaway continents, climate events, natural disasters, some galactic alignment, planets on a collision course, solar storms. I did see a show just the other day talking about the, the polar ice caps melting. Looked like a fact, but here's, if you've even had a basic earth sciences class, you know that the earth's climate goes through cycles. Sometimes it heats up. Sometimes it cools down. Sometimes it heats up for a little while and then cools back down for a little while. I don't know. It depends on who you listen to today to see if we're in a heating or cooling. And it depends which hemisphere you live in and what your climate is like to listen to what people are saying, saying, well, is it going to end because it's hot? Is it going to end because it's cold? Why is it that we focus so much on this end of time? Why is there such a fascination and a focus? I think it's partly because when we get scared or when we feel like things are out of control, we tend to get, get scared. Just think about it in your life. When, when, when things feel like they're out of control, we get scared. And so what do we do? We try to predict the future. That's what a lot of your life is spent doing, predicting the future. I stood on this stage in May of 2011 and I said... Hey, by next May on Mother's Day, we're going to be in a building right down the street. I was predicting the future. Well, May 2012 passed. June 2012 passed. And the months keep passing. If you've driven by, it looks awesome. If, you haven't, if you've been by lately, I mean, all the trees are gone. We're making progress. So our predictions are getting a little more likely. Although I'm not going to, still not going to make one. But when we look at the future and we feel like it's out of control, we start trying to predict what is going to happen. And we get scared. And some people are really scared about the 21st of December. I watched a show about 
the apocalypse or Armageddon. And there are actually psychologists who are concerned because they have so many patients who are contemplating suicide before December 21st because they think the world's going to end. In 1988, anybody around in 1988, you remember there was a guy predicting the world was going to end. Who remembers that in 88? Well, that's I didn't know Jesus the first part of 88, but by the time this world was supposed to end, I was like, well, I guess I better get ready, you know, if he's coming back. And, and you know, I didn't know it was going to happen, didn't believe it was going to happen because of that day, but it made me think about it. It struck fear in my heart. But what is the, that, that's what science has to say. And that's what archaeologists and historians have to say. What does the Bible have to say about end times? Because when the end comes, if you're a Christ follower, that's a good thing. That's something to look forward to. So there's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. I'm going to look at several different verses today to talk about what the Bible says about end times. If you don't have a Bible, if you want one, just raise your hand. The ushers will give you one. You can take it home with you or just read along with me and and leave it in the back on the way out. Scriptures are also on the screen as well. It's really natural to want to know when something's going to happen. Who looked for Christmas gifts in your house when you were a kid? Yeah, kids, don't raise your hands now. What are you thinking? <laughs> Teenagers like, I do, I do, me. I, I did it. I was horrible. And I remember one year finding uh, something I wanted. Now, this was before all the electronics, so don't laugh. I wanted toss across. Remember toss across? If you don't know what that is, I'm just going to make you look it up. But I wanted toss across. I got it. But I found it three weeks before Christmas under my sister's bed because I looked for it. So it's natural to want to know what's coming. And 2,000 years ago, people were even asking Jesus, hey, when are you going to come back? And here's how he answered that one time. Matthew chapter 24, he said, Therefore, keep watch because you don't know what day the Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you must also be ready. So Jesus is telling his followers, look, you don't know when it's going to be. So his advice to us is just be ready. I don't know when somebody's going to break into my house. So you know what I do every night before I go to bed? I lock the doors. If you have an alarm, you put in the alarm code and you Put, get the alarm going just in case somebody breaks in. And that's what Jesus says we need to do when it comes to being prepared when he returns. But it's not something that we're supposed to be fixated on and worried about. While it is mentioned numerous times throughout scripture, nobody is fixated on it. Writers wrote in the New Testament that an end would occur and Jesus said he was coming back. But as you see more and more and more stories in the news, especially over the next few weeks, you need to make yourself aware of some things. So today I just want to make us aware of what the Bible really has to say about the end. So if you're taking notes, write this down. God wants me to be aware so that I'm not afraid. And what I'm going to do today is help us understand a little bit better 
what the Bible has to say and some popular beliefs about the end times when it all winds down and comes to an end. And we're going to find comfort and confidence in understanding and being aware. If you read the book of Acts, in the first century, uh, people that you, followers of Christ that you can read about, were walking around with this urgency that Jesus was going to come back. They believed it was going to be in their lifetime. They believed it was going to be any, any day. And so the way they lived their lives was kind of revolved around the fact that Jesus is coming back and we need to get as many people in on this as we possibly can. So it changed the way they lived their lives. There was a popular greeting in the first century and the greeting was in, in Aramaic, it's Maranatha. When you would see somebody on the street and said, how you doing? They would say Maranatha. And that just means the Lord is coming. And so they lived with this knowledge that Jesus was going to be coming back. Some of that scene is described in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. It says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. And that's what they did. They encouraged each other and said, the Lord is coming. And that's a good thing. Jesus is going to come back. And that's a good thing. Now, if you're just coming to church for the first time today, and you're just trying to check out church, check out God, and you don't really have any foundation of growing up, going to Sunday school or anything, you might think, well, this is really weird stuff. And it does sound kind of weird sometimes. People flying up in the air. Jesus coming down out of the clouds. Sounds like a Hollywood movie. There's two, primarily there's two spots in scripture that people look to when we start talking about the end times. And sometimes it's, sometimes it's figurative language. It's all symbols and sometimes it's real. And that's what's really going to happen. But all the beliefs about the end times Primarily, they come from these two sections of Scripture. One is Matthew chapter 24. And some people believe, well, Jesus is talking about something that was going to happen pretty soon. Like right in, in the next 50 years or so, in the next couple generations. So when he's talking about it, he's talking about Rome being destroyed. And that's all historical and that's all fact. But there's another section of Scripture. In fact, a whole book, the book of Revelation, that talks about the end of time. That talks about how it's all going to wind down. Now, we can't read all of Revelation. I could teach for six months and still not get through the entire book and all of those prophecies. But the book of Revelation talks about the past. It talks about the present. And it also talks about the future. But so we have an awareness. Here's some things that we need to know when it comes to end times. The first one is nobody knows when the end will come. Jesus said that in Matthew 24, he said, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. So anybody who predicts the end of time and they know what it is and they give you a date, they're not telling the truth unless they're God. And if they're God, they're telling the truth. But Jesus didn't even know. 
So the son of God doesn't even know the day when his father is going to say, it's time to go back and get our people. So you don't have to listen to that scary bearded guy on the street holding up a sign that says, on this date, Jesus is coming back. Now, if it says the end is near, it was near 2,000 years ago, so I would imagine it's still near today. But nobody knows when it's coming. In fact, the Bible really never talks about the world ending, like ending, like ceasing. What the Bible talks about is the end of an age. The end of an age, like right now we're in the age of the church. The church is the body of Christ on earth. But we have this great tempter, Satan. But there's going to come an end to this age when Satan will be no more. And he will not tempt us. He will not have influence over us anymore. And that's when this age ends. And right now we are living in end times. Rewind rewind 2,000 years, they were living in end times. So when you see someone saying, oh, it's the end times. Yeah, it's it's been the end times. For 2,000 years, it's been the end. And there are some things in the New Testament about the end that kind of give us some insight how we can look around us and realize, yes, we are in the end times because... Things will get really bad toward the end. So what will it look like before the end of the age? Paul gives us a glimpse in 2 Timothy 3, beginning at verse 1. He says, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. You just lost all your friends. (laughs) Because Paul is saying, this is what it's going to look like. It also talks about there's going to be earthquakes and rumors of war and all of these th- bad things happening. But you can take all of those prophecies and apply them to just about any time in history. If you lived during the role, rule of Nero, you would have watched him slaughter Christians. You would have watched him put them on stakes, dip them in oil and burn them to light the road to Rome. And you would have said, it's the end. If you would have lived during the time of Genghis Khan when he was wanting to conquer the world and he was just this ruthless murderer killing men, women, and children, you would have looked at that and said, it's the end of time. If you would have lived during the time of Hitler in Germany and and you would have seen the atrocities that he committed, you would have said, the end must be near. Or Mussolini, you would have said, the end is near. And in our generation, we see leaders like bin Laden and Hussein, and we think the end is near. And every time the guy you want to be president doesn't win, the other guy is, he's going to make it end. He's going to end the whole thing. So you can take any any of the things it talks about in scripture in regard to the end and apply it to just about any time. But we're still here. 
And we have been in the end times and we're going to stay in the end times until Jesus returns. So another thing we need to be aware of is that Jesus will actually return. The last thing Jesus told his disciples was that he was leaving, but he was going to go prepare something for them, like Cindy talked about, but he would be back. In Acts chapter 1, it says this. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. In other words, when Jesus comes back, there's going to be something happen up there that we see him descend back onto the world in some way and take the people who are his followers back with him to heaven. I remember that scene striking fear in my heart before I knew Christ. I had this teacher in junior high who was uh, recently converted. And so he had all these tracks. Remember the tracks? Anybody, if you're over 30, 35, you probably remember the tracks. The little newspaper printed things about that big. And, and they had different theological, not truths, but theological points in them. And that's how people did evangelism. They just handed out tracks. You still see them sometimes today. But I remember this one that described the end of time. And that's what the title of it was, The End of Time. And on the front was a picture of hell or fire with people burning. So it intrigued me. So as an eighth grader, I opened it up and I started to read it. And I remember what really scared me to death was it was this boy going through his life and it would show him like checking out a girl. It would show him lying to his dad. It would show him stealing something. It would show him cussing. It wouldn't have cuss words. It would just have all those things up, you know, bubbles out of his head, all the exclamation points and stuff. But you knew. Well, then Jesus comes back and then there's this scene of a stairway that goes up into the clouds and this stairway that goes down into this pit that's got fire and people burning in it. And there's these multitudes of people, millions of people. And this boy stands up in front of all those people and all of his friends and family are behind him. And there's screens much like this. And his life gets played out. Only all the bad things that he did gets played out on that screen. And then it's all bad. So the angel picks him up, takes him over to the pit and just drops him off down into the fire. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. How could that happen? That's not an accurate picture of what it's really going to be like the fact that christ spoke of his return is is irrefutable he spoke about his return the people the christians in the first century believed that he was going to be coming back but there are many beliefs as to how this will happen you know one belief is you're going to go before god your family and friends are going to stand there with you and your life all the bad things you did are going to be displayed on a screen for all to see and if there's more more good ones than bad ones then the angel will carry up these stairs to heaven if there's more bad ones than good ones then you're going to be dropped off in the place of hell fire and brimstone and all that it's just that's not true that's one belief but even in the first century there were disagreements that arose about how this whole thing was going to wind down. And many of those disagreements revolve around a verse in Revelation chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. This is a description of the apostle John 
about the revelation of Jesus Christ. And John said, And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. Now, this is prophetic first century literature. It talks about things that have already happened, things that were happening right then, and things that were yet to happen. All in this symbolic language that sometimes is very difficult for us to interpret. And all of the the different beliefs in the world of Christianity can really be put into two categories. And it's it's categories based on how they view that 1,000 years that John talked about. Some people see that 1,000 years as literal. That Jesus will literally come back to earth and reign in peace and prosperity for 1,000 years. And then within this belief that the 1,000 years is literal, there are people that believe all the followers of Christ will be taken up. That's where the like rapture, that's where that comes. Those people are called premillennialists. And also in this, this camp would be postmillennialists who believe after the literal 1,000 years, people are taken up to heaven. And then there's dispensational millennialists, which, yeah. We're not going to go into all that. But in this, this is where uh, the books left behind. You read the books left behind. Uh, that's not, not all totally biblical. That's fiction. I hope you understand that. And, but those books scare a lot of people. But the author would be in this camp. This is what he would believe. That there's going to be a literal 1,000 years where Jesus comes back to earth. And he reigns in peace and prosperity and sets up an earthly kingdom. Then there's another camp that has a lot of other beliefs within it, but that's a group that would believe all of that language is symbolic. That it's talking about the church, that the thousand years means something different. And that it's, it had to do with what was going on in the first century. It had to do with the rule of Nero. It had to do with what they were dealing with. And, and these two beliefs both have some significant biblical backing and biblical understanding that, well, maybe it could be like that. Maybe it will be like, maybe it is just symbolic. Well, no, maybe it's literal. And at life point, we don't require that a leader be in one camp or the other. We don't even require that staff be in one camp or the other because honest followers of Christ can see it different. And I believe there's room for more than one interpretation on what the end times are going to be like. There's more. There's, there's room for the view that the millennium is literal. And there's room for the view that no it's just figurative. It's all symbolic. But here's what both of these views agree on. Jesus is going to come back. How all that plays out. It's debatable. It's something we could take a person from each side. And have them on stage. And they could debate the two sides. And. And you may be swayed one way or another. If you want to read more about this, there's a book by an author named Robert Klaus. It's called The Meaning of the Millennium. And he goes through four major views of how 
it will all end. And so if you want more on that, just read that. If you didn't write that down, come and ask me afterwards. I'll give you the, I'll, I'll give you the title again. But however the final events go down, there's going to be a resurrection of the dead. There's going to be a final judgment that, in, that involves Satan, the power of evil, being defeated forever. And if you read through the New Testament, you see that they lived with this constant awareness that there would be a time when Jesus would come back. And there would be a time when the people who follow him would be ascended, sent, flown somehow into heaven to live with God forever. Everybody, both of these different beliefs and interpretations believe that. And they were comforted by it. So when a doomsday person came along and they started screaming that the end is near, we can find comfort if we're followers of Christ. Because in the end, those who follow Christ win. So if you ask somebody that's in the belief that there's really a 1,000 years, whether they're premillennials, post-millennialist, dispensational millennialist, or whether you're somebody's over here, what's called amillennialist, where they don't really believe that there's going to be a literal 1,000 years. If you ask anybody in both of those circles, they would say, at the end, we win. At the end, people who follow Christ win. And listen to how John writes this in Revelation 21. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and they will, and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write these down, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I'm the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. So any talk about the end times for people who follow Christ should not fill us with fear. It should fill us with hope. So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what it meant when Jesus said, be ready. So if it does all come to an end on December 21st, it won't because of what the Mayans said. It won't because this is the winter solstice. But it'll come because God is ready to come back and get his people. And what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks is how you can know that you're ready. If you're sitting there today and you're like, I don't know, am I ready? Am I not Come and talk to me after the service. Come and find Rob. Come and find Joel. Or come back the next two weeks and hear what the Bible has to say about us being ready. Let's pray. God, thank you for just these few minutes that we can be made aware of what the Bible says about the end times. God, may this idea of the world ending not strike fear in our hearts but hope. And thank you that there will be a day that was described like John described it in Revelation, that there'll be no more death and no more tears and that we'll be with you forever. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.